So today we're looking at this uh, beautiful truth of our heritage and our hope and uh, looking at Psalm 89. And in Psalm 89, we'll learn that we can be singing the mercies of the Lord and making his faithfulness known. Um, and so Psalm 89.1, we started with that. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth, I will make known thy faithfulness through all generations. So in this Psalm 89, which is this amazing psalm, what we'll see is that we can trust in the faithfulness of God. We can trust in the faithfulness of God. And the psalm starts out with, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. King James, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. Some of your translations might have loving kindness or steadfast love or, or mercies or... All of this is trying to translate an incredible Hebrew word, hesed. And this Hebrew word, hesed, it, 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 it has in mind all of these different things, this steadfast, covenant-keeping, solid love of God. It's this, this love of God that is, in many ways, inexpressible. And so each English word that we try to use to express this this hesed love of God falls short. And yet, as we look at this chapter together, I'm mindful that many people may not have yet truly understood what it means to experience this hesed love of God, the depth of this love of God. And to know this love, in many ways, if we're not careful, God can seem distant and, and, and he can seem a wrathful God or, or he just wants us to be, behave or these kinds of things. We can think of him as a tyrant or as some sort of genie or something like that. But until you come to a place where you know the love of God, this love that in many ways is inexpressible, that you come to a place in your life where you trust Christ as your savior, you, you ask God to forgive you through Jesus and, and you, you turn your life over to him and, and you find that at that moment in time, God comes into your life in the person of the Holy Spirit and love moves into your life and it makes it possible for you to know the love of God. And this psalm is a psalm that talks about what it means to sing this love of God. Now, in your superscript, in, in your copy of God's word, Psalm 89, there's a superscript, a little line that says, a maskal of Ethan the Ezrite. And you're like, oh, okay, now that makes the psalm perfectly clear for me, right? Um, when we look at that, that maskal, what that means is it means a way to read this psalm or a way to use this psalm. There's a way that this psalm was to be used. It was written for a purpose. And so it's a maskal of Ethan the Ezraite. And to understand the depth of this psalm to the fullness that we need to, it's important to understand who wrote this psalm. And I could talk about that, but Michael Card in his book, Inexpressible, which is a book that unpacks this word hesed, does a wonderful job of helping us understand who Ethan is. It's a little bit of a lengthy reading, but I think it will be helpful for us. The Bible presents many puzzling pieces of the life of Ethan 
the Ezraite, the composer of Psalm 89. Jeremiah, the traditional author of 1 Kings, says that Solomon was even wiser than Ethan. Comparing someone to Solomon, the wisest man in the world, would be like introducing someone today as being wiser than Einstein. But Ethan's great wisdom is the, only the first tantalizing piece. In First Chronicles, Ezra mentions Ethan, Heman, and Asaph as being appointed as musicians, specifically as cymbal players, to perform with an orchestra of many other Levites. They made music as the ark was returned to Jerusalem, with David whirling in his fine ro linen robe and ephod at the front of the miles-long procession. Only Saul's daughter, Michal, seems to have refused to join in the celebration. To add to the mystery, there's a good chance that Ethan was known by another name, Jeduthun. If this is true, there are two other psalms that are uniquely connected with him, Psalm 62 and 77. The enigma is that they are not said to have been written by him, but rather assigned to him. We don't know exactly what that means. According to 1 Chronicles 2.6, one of Ethan's five brothers was Heman. He composed Psalm 88, which occurs just before the psalm that Ethan wrote. And Psalm 88 is unique among the lament psalms in that it laments all the way to the end. Ethan's psalm, uh, there's no resolve to, to praise as with every other psalm of lament. Ethan's Psalm 89 is unique in its own way. It begins with praise and transitions to lament. Both musicians are described as Ezraites, which probably is a reference to their father, Zerah. If indeed Ethan and Jedulon are the same person, one final fascinating piece of the puzzle comes to us in 1 Chronicles. Here it says that Jeduthun and others were chosen and designated by name to give thanks to the Lord for his hesed endures forever. This mysterious shadowy figure whose wisdom was comparable to Solomon's, who wrote one of the Psalms and is enigmatically connected with two more, Ethan the Ezraite, was chosen to sing about the eternal hesed of the Lord. It was his assigned theme, his job description. Some solid evidence, a lot of conjecture. But the truth is, we still know virtually nothing about Ethan. What can we say with confidence about him? We learn from the opening verse of this psalm. It matches beautifully with our evidence, his job description, but more importantly, it tells us about his heart. In verse one, he pledges, I will sing about the Lord's hesed forever. If the formula is true and the Lord's hesed is eternal, then the only choice is to sing about it forever. Having put two and two together, that is exactly what Ethan proposed to do with the rest of his life. Ethan, the Ezraite, begins his psalm by saying, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. As I've tried to imagine who this man is, to realize that he was one of the musicians who was leading the procession as the tabernacle was brought back into Jerusalem. 
that he would be charged with that. He was a man who apparently burst into song, and he was a man who knew the love of God, the Hesed love of God, this never-changing, unconditional, covenant-keeping, faithful, promising love of God, so much so that he declared he would sing of this love forever. And the truth is, as you come to a place in your life where you truly know the love of God and you truly have experienced that in your life, you can't help but sing. The amazing truth about this psalm as we go through it is you're going to see that it talks about the promises of God being kept in his greatness and his, his majesty over creation. And that Ethan would sing during that, but it also will show that when times are not all that great, knowing the love of God and being confident of his faithfulness will allow you to sing as well. So let's dive into this psalm together. I'm going to go quickly, okay? Because there's 52 verses. It's about 43 seconds of verse. I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you established your faithfulness in heaven itself. This is Hebrew poetry, and, and Hebrew poetry is, is so amazing, and I wish I could talk to you more about that today, but it, it, it uses repetition, and, and it'll move from lesser to greater at times to be able to make clear a point. And so here in these verses, we see a beautiful uh, representation of this Hebrew poetry. I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. I declare that your love stands firm forever, and so it moves to a, a greater aspect of that. With my mouth I will make your faithfulness known through all generations, that you established your faithfulness in heaven itself. And so there's this greater aspect of it. Now love, this word hesed, we will find seven times in this, in this particular psalm. Faithfulness we'll find eight times, and forever we'll find eight times. And so there's this beautiful truth that Ethan is wandering through this psalm of his that helps us understand and know that this hesed love lasts forever. And the faithfulness of God is what we can trust and what we can hold on to. And the faithfulness is established in heaven itself. And you stop and think of the verses that Jesus talks about. If you want to store up something for yourself that will not be damaged, it's in heaven that you store it. Where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. That's that place where you store that. And the place of great security, the greatest security there is, is where the faithfulness of God has been established in heaven itself. You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant, I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. Selah. This recounts the promise that Nathan revealed to David 
of the promise of God that, that the throne and the line of David would be through all generations, through all times, and that allows us to look forward and see this as Jesus, realizing that Jesus is now the one who sits on the throne of David. He is the heir of David, and sometimes you wonder, why are those lineages in Scripture? It's to prove that God is a promise-keeping God, and that that prophecy was fulfilled as Jesus came to earth and Jesus became a king in the line of David. And so as we look at this verse, we see the fulfillment of this promise. For Ethan, he would have been looking forward to this, trusting that God would do this. We're able to see that God did do this. There's that word Selah that finds its way into this psalm at certain places. And basically Selah We don't know exactly what it means, but what it seems to indicate is that this is a great place to pause and praise. When you are reading the book of Psalms and you come to Selah, it's a good time to just stop, pause, and praise God for what you just read. That God has promised this covenant with his chosen people. The heavens praise your wonders, O Lord. Your faithfulness, too, in the assembly of the holy ones. Who in the skies above can compare with the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings? In the council of the Lord of the holy ones, God is greatly feared. He is more awesome than all who surround him. O Lord God Almighty, who is like you? You are mighty, O Lord, and your faithfulness surrounds you. There you see faithfulness again. The faithfulness of God surrounds him. It's not just something he has. It's all around him. It's, it's, it's the very core of who he is. It's, it's that which is around him. His love, his identifying characteristics, all of these things, his love and his goodness and his faithfulness. And, and the heavens praise his wonders. The verse that Jason read for us earlier from Psalm 19 creation declares the glory of God. And so we see that in the heavens, he is praised by the holy ones, the angels you see, those who see God apart from sin, those who actually visually see God seated on his throne are praising him for his faithfulness, for his love and his faithfulness. To sing the song, Great is Thy Faithfulness, is amazing. To live and rest in the faithfulness of God is even more so. You rule over the surging sea when its waves mount up. You still them. You crushed Rahab like one of the slain. With your strong arm, you scattered your enemies. Rahab here seems to allude to Egypt as you look at Psalm 87.4 and, and so it's recounting the exodus and the movement of God as he released the people. The heavens are yours and also the earth. You founded the world and all that is in it. You created the north and south, Tabor and Hermon, the mountains of Israel. Sing for joy at your name. Your arm is endued with power. Your hand is strong. Your right hand exalted. God created everything there is. He is the creator God. He made everything that there is. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. This is what's so amazing. Listen, the God, the 
God that we know, if you've come to a place where you've trusted Christ as your Savior, the God that you know is an almighty and majestic and holy God who created everything by the word of his mouth. He reigns over everything. He rules over everything there is. And he is perfect. And he is holy. And he is righteous and just. He is, everything will be made right. God will make everything right in its time. And this majestic God who is over all creation, and everything else. There is nothing in me that deserves his love. I have done everything I can to make myself unchoosable to him. Yes, he is, Bonnie. He's omnipotent. And as we look at that and as we realize that and we come to grips with the fact that this God longs for you to know his love, and longs for his love to fill you. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. At some point, everything will be made right. Until then, he has entrusted us with bringing his righteousness and his justice into the world. Love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, O Lord. They rejoice in your name all day long. They exult in your righteousness. This is an amazing couple of verses. This word blessed. Now here in this, word, in, this, in this verse, that word that's translated blessed means happy. There's another place where it's translated blessed where it actually, there's a different word that means praise. And we see that at the end of this psalm in the doxology where it says blessed is the Lord. And it reminds us of that the prayer of blessing that the Israelites pray, and it's that barukatah, and it's that, that blessed is the Lord. It's a blessing towards the Lord. But here, it's the idea that happy is the person who has learned to acclaim the Lord, who has learned to walk in the presence of the Lord. What does it look like for you to walk in the presence of of the Lord, to be so aware of the presence of the Lord in your life that if you begin to wander from that, if you do something that starts to draw you away from the presence of God, you panic because you realize apart from the presence of the Lord, you're toast. And, and so you, you've learned that you're happiest when you're walking in the presence of the Lord. See, Ethan has got this. Ethan knows this. He lives in this. He acclaims the Lord and he walks in the light of his presence and he rejoices in the name of the Lord all day long. See, this is the thing that's so powerful for us is we can come to a place where we can live a life that's filled with this blessing of God. God longs to bless us with this as we remain in his presence. For you are their glory and strength, and by your favor you exalt our horn. Indeed, our shield belongs to the Lord, our king to the Holy One of Israel. Here again, we need to understand Ethan's a Jewish man, and he's talking about the promised people of God, the chosen people of God, and the promise that he has made with them 
The promise that endures to this day. The promise that the shield that protects Israel, even now and today, as we see in the news, is the shield that belongs to the Lord. But as we look at, at Psalm 91, that amazing psalm that talks about dwelling in the shelter of the Most High, in verse 4, he says, He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. I love that image, right? Of, of being, you know, a little baby bird that's kept safe under the wing of this massive eagle or something. And, and, and so there's that an illustration of what it means to find refuge. But what does it mean? His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Listen, if you want to know what your shield is, it's the faithfulness of God. It's the promise of God. It's the fact that God will keep his promise to you, that his mercies are new every morning, that Hesed love that he has for you is constantly pouring into your life through the Holy Spirit. That is your shield. It is your rampart, your buckler. And what that speaks to is the wall of defense around you. The wall of defense around you is the fact that God can be trusted to be who he says he is and to do what he says he will do. And it is that faithfulness that is our shield against those things that would come against us. It's the buckler, the rampart, the wall that's built around us to defend us from the attacks of Satan as they come at us. And it allows us to sit inside the fortress singing about the love of God. Amen. Once you spoke in a vision, I'm going to read some verses quickly. To your faithful people, you said, I have bestowed strength on a warrior. I have exalted a young man from among the people. I have found David, my servant. With my sacred oil, I have anointed him. My hand will sustain him. Surely my arm will strengthen him. No enemy will subject him, will subject him to tribute. No wicked man will oppress him. I will crush his foes before him and strike down his adversaries. My faithful love will be with him, and through my name his horn will be exalted. I will set his hand over the sea, his right hand over the rivers. He will call out to me, you are my father, my God, my rock, my savior. I will also appoint him firstborn, the most exalted of the kings of the earth." I will maintain my love to him forever, and my covenant with him will never fail. I will establish his line forever, his throne as long as the heavens endure. If his son forsake my law and do not follow my statutes, if they violate my decrees and fail to keep my commands, I will punish their sin with a rod, their iniquity with flogging. But I will not take my love from him, nor will I ever betray my faithfulness. This is so huge, and I, I hope you see what's happening. Ethan's recounting the fact that God has promised David that his love and faithfulness will extend to him forever. And even if the, even if the offspring that he bears, even if down the line the heirs that he has move away from God, his promise to David will stand his faithful promise to David will stand. He will never remove his love from David and he will never betray his faithfulness towards David. Not because David was so good, but because God is faithful. I will not violate my covenant nor alter what my lips have uttered. Once for all, I have sworn by my holiness and I will not lie to David that his line will continue forever and his throne before me like the sun. It will be established forever like the moon, the faithful witness in the sky. Pause and pray. 
Stop and think about that. So Ethan is able to sing the song of love and faithfulness because look at who God is. God is amazing. He has promised all of these things for David. He has promised all of these things for his people. And he has guaranteed that no matter what, his faithfulness will stand. And so Ethan is able to sing of the love of God from a place of great rejoicing because of the powerful work of God in his life. But the psalm takes a turn. But you have rejected Ethan as he's praying and he's talking to God. He says, but God, you have rejected. You have spurned. You have been very angry with your anointed one. You have renounced the covenant with your servant. You have defiled his crown in the dust. You have broken through his walls and reduced his stronghold to ruins. All who passed by have plundered him. He has become the scorn of his neighbors. You have exalted the right hand of his foes. You have made all his enemies rejoice. You have turned back the edge of his sword and not supported him in battle. You have put an end to his splendor and cast his throne to the ground. You have cut short the days of his youth and covered him with a mantle of shame pause and praise pause pause and praise see Ethan knew God's love Ethan knew God's faithfulness Ethan walked in the presence of God in such a way that when and we don't know exactly when this happened, that all of this fell apart, but Ethan saw it. And even as he saw it, and even as he saw that God brought this into the life, because listen, the chosen people of God had wandered from him, and so God brought discipline into their lives. He brought it into their lives. And maybe you're going through a season of time when it's really hard to sing of the Lord's love because maybe you're not necessarily feeling it. Maybe something has happened in your life that causes you to feel as though the Lord is absent. Maybe something has happened in your life that, listen, it's not always joy-filled in this world. But the love of God allows you to sing in the joy-filled times and in the times of lament. And as Ethan moves into this place of lament, he says, how long, O Lord, will you hide yourself forever? How long will your wrath burn like fire? Remember how fleeting is my life. For what futility have you created all men? What man can live and not see death? or save himself from the power of the grave, pause, praise. O Lord, where is your former great love, which in your faithfulness you swore to David? In the midst of the pain, in the midst of the sadness, in the midst of the lament, Ethan is able to say, I know that your love is there, and I know your faithfulness is there, I'm having a hard time seeing it. Show me where it is. And you see, that's the language of lament. The language of lament is not the language of despair. Despair looks at hard times with hopelessness. Lament looks at hard times filled with hope in the faithfulness of God, in the promises of God, and in the love of God. It is not just the heritage for Ethan. It is his hope as well. O oh Lord, 
remember how your servant has been mocked, how I bear in my heart the taunts of all the nations, the taunts with which your enemies have mocked, O Lord, with which they have mocked every step of your anointed one. Praise be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. As Ethan closes out his psalms, it's the close the psalm, it's the close of the third book of Psalms. Now I don't have time to talk through that in detail, but suffice it to say that this third book of Psalm, as we as we look at the books of Psalm, it seems to be that they move through Israel's history from the time of the reign of David in the first book, and then and then it moves into this period of time, and it appears that the book four is about the exile, and book five is about the return. And so as we see, this Psalm of David is right on the hinge between the amazing reign of David and the move into exile. And we see that Psalm 90 becomes a psalm of the man Moses, the man who God uses twice in the Old Testament, and here I believe, to cry out and pray that God would relent. Verse 13, relent, O Lord, of Psalm 90. So it's this idea that Ethan, as he comes before the Lord, singing the praise of the Lord because of his great love, when times are good and when times are bad, So what? How has the faithfulness of God held you? How well do you know his steadfast love and mercy? Do you know the love of God? Not do you know about the love of God. Do you know his love? And do you know it in such a way that it causes you to burst into song whether things are really good or things are really hard. Lord, I thank you that the heritage here at Calvary, through the good times and the bad times, has been one of singing of the love of God. And many times, Lord, as we sing the love of God, we're reminding ourselves and reminding you of the promises of Scripture. Father, you know each person in this room and each person watching. If there's anyone, Lord, who has not yet embraced your love. Maybe they've thought of you as a tyrant or, or they've thought of you as a harsh ruler or they've decided that maybe you're not real. Would you wash over them? Reveal your love to them that they could realize what it is they have been created for. That they may one day, when they step from this world, Step into the angelic chorus where your faithfulness is held. For those of us who do know you, may we boldly proclaim your faithfulness to all generations for your glory and in your name. Amen. Would you please stand and hear God's good word for you? I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Amen. Oh, God bless you. 
I love you, and I release you to a week of work, witness, and worship. Amen. God bless.